I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And come on, wussy, I'll only use my left hand. And I'm Av Sedensky, and I could be on the Olympics standing there team. Welcome back to Pretty Good Friends, a friends podcast between pretty good friends. Let's say good. We are here today to discuss season one, episode 12, the one with a dozen lasagnas, which I guess works out well that it's episode 12, which originally aired on January 12th, 1995. And I got to be honest, sort of like I felt, you know, it's another episode where the title is is like the D plot or something, right? Like, and I was trying to think of better titles for this episode. Okay. Okay. So I, I, sort of the one that jumps to mind is the one where Ross finds out, but there's so many episodes in Friends about someone finding out something that I think the one where Ross finds out would not actually be helpful, right? Yeah, especially in since London. like... Right, exactly. Yeah. But also because like we already had the one where Ross finds out that he's being going to be a dad. Like the yeah, fact that it's yeah. a boy or he's a girl to me, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, and it's also like, we're now like on either the second or the third right. episode yeah. that's ending on like a Ross dad moment. It's like, yeah. all right. All right. What um, about, what about the one with the new table? The one with the new table I like. And I'll say I the like. foosball table is a much more dominant presence than the 12 lasagnas, not just in this episode, but over the course of the series. Yes. Yes. That becomes a staple of, of yeah. the Joey Chandler apartment. Um, what about the one with the massage? Yeah, I mean, I didn't remember. That would be massage. a Seinfeld ripoff. So you yes, approach. of course. Yes. I mean, when you say the one with the massage, I think of a Seinfeld episode, obviously. Physical contact causing movement. Um, do we have we see physical contact and movement in this episode. Yeah, it does move. Yeah. Yes. Should we uh, jump into the episode? Yeah, we should. I mean, I would say that there are way too many writers on this episode because this one is written by Jeff Astroff, Mike Sikowitz, Adam Chase, and Ira Ungerlader. But it's only directed by Paul Lazarus. So maybe they could have like divided up the, the responsibilities. It's like, all right, Paul, you direct. Uh, we'll all write. We'll all write. All four of us will write. Paul, you direct. It's like, no, like, give me, like, you know, if like if they made the teams that, like, in your, like, science class, you'd be like, why am I, like, responsible for this entire thing? And the other four members of the group are all, you know, because, like, they're just going to, like, hang out and, like, waste time and, like, I'm going to do all the work, right? That's how I would feel if I was Paul Lazarus in this situation. So so do we think that they just, like, this episode needed too many rewrites or or what's the explanation? Um, I, well, so I know, I recognize the name Adam Chase. He's definitely, like, involved. I think he was, like, I don't know, executive producers or something. Like, he was, like, he was in an episode randomly at, like, the hockey game and he's, like, written a couple episodes. Um, so I'm guessing that there was an initial two and then Chase and Ungerlader, who I think is also more of a recurring role here, probably had to like rewrite the script. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did no research, so it's possible that if we go um, into this uh, trivia page on the fandom, that there will be more information, but I'm not really seeing anything. So. Yeah, Friends doesn't seem like there's a lot of of like the drama behind the scenes, as far as I know, that was involved in many other shows. I don't know if like you have any um, perspective. Like, I haven't I, looked, like, I haven't done any research on that. No, I haven't no. research. I'm not in terms of research, but meaning like 
like I know, like I didn't have to do research to know that like something happened on Seinfeld or that like, you know, there was like tons of fighting behind the scenes on like the West Wing because like Aaron Sorkin was like publicly accused of like stealing credit on a on an Emmy winning episode. Yeah, there, there were um, bigger cultural stories surrounding those, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. I mean, the I Seinfeld like... one, it's just I'm so much more imbued in the culture of Seinfeld than friends. Like I've read endless books right. and interviews, but I've heard of the Aaron Sorkin thing that you're t- or no, I'm confusing that with um with Matt, Matthew Weiner. And he allegedly would take credit for writing for every episode, even though other writers wrote some of the episodes uh-huh. and would like take the Emmys that they won or whatever for those episodes. Yeah. And so was, yeah, I, mean, and I think I was mixing that up with Aaron Sorkin there. Yeah. I mean, this happens a lot with writing specifically because that, yeah. you know, you know, um, a script can like you can take like good parts of it and like refashion it and, and improve it or whatever or make it worse, depending on, yeah. you, you know, what you think is better. I but... mean, we were both associates at law firms where it's pretty standard that the <laughs> right. partner's name is on something that they didn't write a word of. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in every profession, I'm sure it's like that. Yeah, right. But I've also done a lot of rewrites of things that were sent to me where it's like, yeah, you gave me something, but like you had nothing to do with what was sent to the client, basically. So like you get no credit. It's putting my name on it. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Um, So, you know, since your name shouldn't be on it all, like you should get no writing credit. Um, Mm. So that's how I might feel if I was Adam Chase here Um, (laughs) or Jeff Astroff. I don't really know anything that happened. I'm just throwing around theories. But yeah, so. The episode starts off over at Central Park, as per usual, and we have a very, very fun, I would say, very different type of opening. You know, no dialogue is spoken at all in this first scene. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and until the until the very end of it, um, both. Yeah, I, I, there was an episode of Mr. Robot that does that. That was so well done and so good that the entire episode has no dialogue in it at all. It's all through nonverbal An entire episode. An entire episode of 40 uh, plus minutes. Because there's the show. famous fuck uh, scene of The Wire where it's just the one word fuck. Right, said correct. Over yeah, yeah, that's yeah. obviously classic. But a scene, um, it, it doesn't match right. up nearly. So this isn't a whole episode. episode. So to be fair, they do a lot of communication through text and other... Okay, know, but still. But still. It was, but it was so well done that I did not even realize... That that's what the episode was until I, until until I listened to a podcast, until I listened to a podcast about it and they're like, holy shit, that was the greatest episode. They didn't even talk. I was like, they didn't talk. What are you talking about? Mm. Like, it was like, I just like, it was went completely over my head. That's how perfectly executed it was. Mm. Okay. That was very, very cool. Um, I've never seen any episodes of Mr. Robot, but that's yeah, it's a, it's a very good show. Um, I watched it and then I kind of had enough of it and then I came back to it and I thought it was great. So I, I okay. very do much recommend it. Um, even if you tried it, I think it's worth sticking with and, and giving another shot. Well, certainly getting to really this episode. Off. Yeah, it really pays off. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so here's my. So, OK, so the first song, but both both things that they sing or I mean, the second one, the Ross attempts, I immediately recognize, but I couldn't have told you what it was. Right. So the first one is the theme. Yeah. So it's the theme from the odd couples, the first one. Right. But I didn't hear that and say, "Oh, it's the theme for the Odd Couple." It's like, "Oh, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a tune I recognize from television, but I'm not sure why." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and, I, and I've you know co-hosted uh, multiple TV theme show bracket titles. Right, right. So I'm, right. yeah, I'm sure, I'm, and probably both of these were in there. Yeah, because they're the second, both iconic, even yes, if you the don't know what they're from. One that Ross tries is "I Dream of Jeannie," um, and I was wondering, like at this stage in my life, certainly that's the case. I wonder if at any stage in my life I would have said, "Oh, that's a song from the Odd Couple." I don't think so. I think these are before our time, really. 
they're definitely before our time. Yeah. Um, don't date us too much. Um, but for but people yeah. who are playing 27 in 1994, right? For for them, so like, what's the equivalent for us? If we are the age of the Friends, you're saying at the time the Friends was on. Sure. Well, okay. So we would have been 27 in like 2010. So if we were sitting around in 2000, it'd probably be like the Seinfeld theme, except or maybe the Friends theme. Seinfeld doesn't really have a theme, right? Yeah, it would be like 90s, yes. like it would be musty like Friends, TV. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. So we would start singing uh, the the Rembrandts, basically. Fresh Prince song. Yeah, like it'll yeah. be those. Okay. It'll be like the 90s songs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Or the Simpsons. Maybe that's another one possibility. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I never watched either of these shows. So like I really only know them from I don't even know just like pop culture more. I than... couldn't even. I dream of Jeannie. I know she like sort of w- twig- twig- wiggles her nose. Right. The odd couple is is that like Martin? Like who who's the odd couple? I don't know. Frankly, on, and... on on I dream of Jeannie, I just associate more with like Wanda oh, my, my from is... from WandaVision at this point. It's Felix and Oscar. My wife is upset with me. My wife used to watch um um Nick at Night or whatever. I think. Uh huh. My wife loves I uh, uh Lucy. She likes, okay. she likes Lucy paraphernalia. I like I like Lucy. I would say I yeah. love Lucy. Mm, okay, uh, Lucy's fine for me. I could I could go either way. Um, I'm neutral. Yeah, I was I was very impressed by the version of her that is portrayed in the Aaron Sorkin movie um, about Lucy and Desi. Um, I didn't realize like how talented she was because like they in the movie they depict her like almost like Larry David esque like writing like dialogue on set in real time yeah. like improvising. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I assume that that wasn't like too heavily embellished. But, like, I, I think, it, and, and I'm almost like, spoiling. Cool. I'm almost spoiling um, a letter from the postman this week. I think. Oh. But 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 I think that Harry Parkyakaris, the father of Super Dave Osborne, Bob Einstein, um, I, I think that he 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 died at the roast. I think of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Is that so? I think so. Okay. And I know he had a heart attack at a roast and died like on the dais. But but uh, yeah, but I'm not positive. But I, and I do think that it was um, Lucy and Desi. Actually, it was their it was their roast. But I'm not looking anything up at the moment. I am uh, I'm recording uh, from bed, much like our friend Akiva often does. Well, he's not in bed; he's just lying down. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's allowed it in his bed <laughs> in general. Yeah. <laughs> not not just a podcast. Yeah, probably not for podcasting. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm here under my wife's request. Just uh, let us know for the record. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So, yes, yeah, so this is like, you know, it's a fun scene. Um, I, it is very confusing, like why nobody else in the coffee shop is even like reacting to this. Well, reacting to anything that they ever do. Right. Well, this specifically, because here they're like, they're like really like taking, like they're like singing a song in the middle of the like, And like we get like Ross and Monica doing the very weird thing. Um, that was one of the great moments of the episode. They're like rubbing each other's faces as they do it. Yeah. Well, you know, of course. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I like that. So. Chandler's just like okay, like he like he wants to go out on top. I think it's like we executed that one. Like we're not like let's not leave people. Yeah. Let's people let's, let's leave people wanting a little bit more. Yeah, m- much like Phoebe Buffay, who we never see play more than one song in Central Park. Actually, yeah, yeah, constantly one song and then interrupted for one reason or another. Yeah, so we jump into the episode proper, and Monica's on the phone with Aunt Sill, who. Seems to have ordered a bunch of lasagnas from Monica. For uh, well, she seems to be a tremendous bitch. <laughs> well, we yes. have the conversation that we hear, like unconscionable. 
Um, like, why yeah. would she be cursing so quickly into this conversation? Well, if she, all of a sudden she is in a position where she doesn't have food for some party. Well, um, but she's the bad guy, isn't she? I mean, I agree. She seems like she's a bitch, but like yeah. from her perspective, maybe she feels like she did say vegetarian lasagnas and now Monica made 12 useless lasagnas for her and she has nothing to feed her guests. Yeah, but, but still the cursing seems, I don't know. Uh, by the way, did we skip the placenta eating conversation? We did not. That's not up yet. Oh, because in my notes, I have that ahead of uh, my Aunt Sil comments. I'm not sure why. I have to be honest. Uh, the, the distance between when I saw the episode and when we're recording is near the longest it's ever been. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because we, we recorded early in the week last week and now late in the week this week. Yes, uh, but yes. yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Like, and I usually know. excitedly watch the episode as soon as we finish recording. Right. Um, I watch the next episode because, you know, I'm excited to see the next episode. I hear you. I hear you. Well, sorry that, uh, you know, didn't work out this time. So this is going to be a bad episode of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Chester's not invested. He doesn't even remember the episode. <laughs> I just don't remember the the order of the scenes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and the truth is, it's possible. It's yours is right. I sometimes rearrange to oh. make things more sequential. For thematic purpose. Okay, yeah, or fine. just whatever. Just if, yeah. if, if when there's a lot of cutting back and forth, I sometimes mm. just. Yeah. Okay. Know, it's it's easier to talk. Um so yeah, first of all, obviously veg- vegetable lasagna completely stole it out of Seinfeld. So like this mm. is just again outright outright theft. And I was gonna say, as as Jews, we uh, we only know lasagna either as vegetarian or right. as non dairy. Right, it's, and really, it's a dairy. It's usually as vegetarian. Right, the the, the default of, like if you just say lasagna, it's a vegetarian lasagna. Yes. you might specify that it's a meat lasagna, which yes, then would correct. mean that there's no which is like, much worse. dairy cheese in it. Yeah, meat, um, meat lasagna is just basically ground beef and lasagna noodles, whereas vegetarian lasagna and he, the other thing is like, and we've had this conversation, I don't know, upon this podcast, but like there's there's more like I'd, I'd rather have the cheese with the fake meat than the reverse. Like for the, sure. the morning star yeah. meat in the lasagna is getting the job done in a way that like the, the fake cheese is very yeah. bad for the most yeah, part. My, yeah, my wife makes a dairy lasagna with like um impossible meat yeah. beef yeah. and it's phenomenal yeah like i'm not saying it's as good as it would be if it was beef but it's it's just a delicious food like yeah. I, i've eaten Correct. plenty of delicious food it's a delicious food yes so I there could be a, I mean, a different version that's also more even more delicious possibly yeah. uh but it's a delicious food to eat so i've never had a meat lasagna that i've really loved um like i just say yeah uh, well, I, I'd rather have a meat lasagna with no cheese than a meat lasagna with the fake cheese. The fake cheese is horrible. Well, I've never had one with that. Maybe, yeah, and 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 cheese like cheese is so dominant in lasagna because it's not like there's one. There's like multiple layers of right, numerous right. different kinds of cheese. Yes, yeah. No, yeah. the the emphasis should be on the cheese and the sauce. Correct. And then, Correct. like, if you want to put in meat, like, I mean, listen, this is this is this, 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 to, to Italians. They're gonna be yeah. like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like, yeah, it's all course. about the meat. It's yeah. like, yeah, for sure. It's like yeah. you put in sausage and veal yeah. and all sorts of awesome different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it all sounds great. Um, so, yeah, so what else is going on this scene other than le- people eat- eating lots of trafe? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Aunt Seal didn't want them to. Oh, that's all right, I'm was. switching around. I'm on Aunt Seal's side. She wanted to yeah, she's like, you idiot. What do you think? I'm serving a bunch of, like, traditional juice from Long Island. They want, you know, yeah. they want vegetarian lasagna because it's like, you know, a kosher style uh, event yeah. for the, you know, the, the sisterhood at the temple. The yeah. sisterhood at the temple. Yeah, yeah. It has to be kosher style. Okay. Okay. Monica, Monica's the fucking asshole. <laughs> um, Although still, you don't need to curse Aunt Sil, but anyway. While well, she's trying to trafe up her home. Yeah. <laughs> 
and she's living in sin in, in the city with her brother. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you move to the village. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, um, Joey and, Fo- and Phoebe are looking through Ross's baby books. And here is where I have that Phoebe mentions that in some places people eat the placenta. Yeah, which I guess was less known in 1995 than today. Right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I have but, I have written I my notes. Like this is a thing now. Yeah, nobody in New York City <laughs> wouldn't know. No, nobody would be surprised in New York City. Right. Like even you, 20, you 10. might not do it, but you know that there are well, people who I, do this. I, now. You probably don't do it. I think it's small. <laughs> I'm not. Right. I'm not passing judgment on those who do, but it's not a majority custom. But it's, it's a not a majority that, custom. Yes, right. but, it's a thing that, but it's a thing that we've heard of. Yeah. Um, I remember New York Magazine had a whole thing about it um, maybe a decade ago or so with recipes and all these recommendations. And uh, since my wife is here, I'm going to ask her, Jen, are you familiar with the eating of the placenta after childbirth? Like, Have you heard of the concept? Yes. Do you have any thoughts on the concept? I mean, I've heard that people can grind up placenta and put it in pills. But For what, what purpose? What What's the reason that they're doing it? I heard something with postpartum, maybe. Health benefit, like a postpartum health benefit for the mother. She says, "Cause animals do it." Uh, oh, that's a good reason. <laughs> I know. I was once at uh, my I, my mother, who I mean is a pediatrician. I should note that, but she always says that um everything about parenting you take from studying Jane Goodall with apes. I'm like, are we supposed to be better than them? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, when I lived in Riverdale. I once went to a uh, Shabbat meal. And there's a particular uh, synagogue in Riverdale that uh, tends to uh, pump out a bunch of uh, very what's what's the right word crusty is that crunchy crunchy I said placenta uh, eaters but yeah. yeah probably right exactly um, and they were giving me their whole spiel about how um, it's like horrible to give uh, what he calls cow milk in which the rest of us humans call milk to to your children because he says to me did you know that human beings are the only mammal uh, that has milk, ever yeah. existed that drinks the milk of another animal. Yes. And I said, well, you, did you know that human <laughs> beings are the only mammal that has invented iPhones? <laughs> yeah. In uh, my head, it, I was about to say the internet, so I guess uh, great minds think alike here. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, like, <laughs> right. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I when I when my kids at talk about like what different animals eat they're always like oh mice and rats they eat cheese yeah and i'm like no well, they don't, no, they don't. <laughs> like they eat what's available to them yeah. right? like which is probably whatever's in the trash they eat garbage the yes. but in, in the right? cartoons they, they enjoy cheese <laughs> right yeah but like maybe once in a while they get lucky they get their hands on a piece of cheese yeah but it's certainly like not what they eat like they don't go to the supermarket yeah cheese. <laughs> there's, there's no cheese production in the in the, in the rat world yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm like, right. Like, I don't know that these are good proof that like By other way, mammals we, haven't figured stuff out. I'm not wondering. And again, I'm not I'm not Googling anything while discussing this uh, while on the podcast here today. But like, is there any scientific or historical or any basis for rats liking cheese or is it entirely an invention of Disney or just um, cartoons? I don't know. Do rats like cheese? Like in particular. One of the latter myths is that is the myth that rats love cheese, which, as it turns out, is completely false. Well, oh. for rats do not love cheese, they hate the smell. In fact, they will settle for it if there's nothing else to eat. Oh, wow. Um, so it's actually their least favorite choice. It's their least favorite food. As opposed to what's um, the source? Is it just cartoons? Let's see. 
Oh, I'm reading this. This is on like um, an exterminator website. Okay. I trust them. They know what they're talking about. Right? Um, it's also mice. It's I think it's mice more than rats, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't, the rats are the ones that live in the subways. That's what I know. The misconception that mice-like cheese may have arisen because centuries ago, many types of cheese were stored in the open in cellars, making the cheese more accessible to mice than other types of stored food. Okay, so that, okay. because so that's what was available to them. Okay, yeah, okay, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, but it's not like a twenty early twentieth century invention of pop culture. Okay, so that's uh, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um, All right, so yeah, we we kept putting cheese where they live, and then we were shocked when they ate it, and we decided they must love it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm reading some exterminate, right? Now, like cheese is by no means mice first choice. That's like not that's not what we try to trap them with. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess it's like a it's a big Tom and Jerry thing. Uh, that's yeah. not Disney. But yeah. yeah. Um, Tom and Jerry is my favorite cartoon growing up. It's fun. Yeah. I remember liking it. Yeah. Um so Joey is like really taking in all this baby stuff. He's like, I can't believe how small they are. And like, he's doing this little baby voice and he starts teasing Ross. Um, Where's mommy? And what's a lesbian? And uh, Ross is not taking it great. Um, And things only get worse when Rachel enters with Paolo and they're just like all over each other. They're going to the Poconos. And now Rachel's sister owns a place in the Poconos. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's her place. She said, yeah, Rachel's sister owns a place in the Poconos. Probably her older sister. Will this will this ever be mentioned again on the show? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, Reese Witherspoon, is she the only sister or do we see another sister? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, uh, We can look it up, but I'd rather just. Yeah. No. We'll we'll be surprised. Like, like, uh, or we won't get there. But yeah. But um, yeah, I I just feel like. If you live in the city and you have a sister who owns a place in the Poconos, that would be like mentioned more than once. <laughs> you know, you'd guess. be going there a couple times a year, I would guess. Like, okay, but that doesn't mean that have to. That's where the episodes are. Yeah, but I don't in know. fact, they maybe they like to do the episodes about when they're in Manhattan. Yeah, so that because you know that's what the story of the show is. So it's yeah. like they, okay. you're right; they might be mentioning, "Oh, like, oh, I missed you. You were in the Poconos for the last two weeks." But yeah, uh, cherish the cabin. Yeah, you have to cherish the cabin. Yeah. So obviously the sisters uh, Poconos place is a stolen straight out of Seinfeld. Sixty percent of Seinfeld merch says mm-hmm. Cherish the Cabin. <laughs> um so after he um after like Ross like kind of like moves to the other side, um Rachel oh sorry, after Paolo, sorry. Well, Freudian slip, I guess. Um, after Paolo moves away, Rachel's like talking to Monica and Phoebe. And she's like, I've just like never felt like this before. Like, I just like love every second that I'm around. Well, what him. she actually says is she says, I'm feeling things I've only felt before from Danielle Steele. <laughs> right. Yes. And I'm like, what about Nora Bing books? Like who we literally just met and discussed in last week's episode. Or what about Rachel Green books? Because Rachel herself was writing and working on her own romance novel mm. last episode. No, right. so and maybe okay. now she's gonna have much better material for it. But the, it's just completely like not mentioned, forgotten. You know, uh, it would have been a good callback to say only uh, things I've only felt from Nora Bing books. That would have been funny <laughs> in, <laughs> yeah, the, in well, the universe of the show. But, but maybe they also like filmed this episode like I after so, that, yeah. before that. I mean, right? in the universe of the show, Nora Bing is bigger than Danielle Steele, right? Like Paolo recognized <laughs> she's right. like she's, she's very like big. Grisham or, or it's or, close at least. Yeah, yeah. Who's um? Wait, what, what's his name? Um. The the um Peter oh my goodness, 
the most famous author, like, uh, you know, now he's, he lives in like New England. Now he's on Twitter every once in a while fighting with right wingers. Tom Clancy, no. Stephen King, Stephen King. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen King is the only American author who I think most people would recognize facially or or not even most people, but like the largest percentage. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But he has a known a- face, but I'm only kind of only assuming that. Cause, yeah, he's he's. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't even remember his name two seconds ago, but, you know. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're old. He's Yeah, he's no Norbing. Definitely not. No, Paolo's not recognizing Stephen King for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Ross is devastated. Joey and Chandler are trying to cheer him up. Like, it's just a weekend the Poconos. What's the big deal? Like, what are you going to do? Like, call immigration on him? And Ross is like, actually. <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. Um. <laughs> So we head across the hall over to Joey and Chandler's and we walk in and Joey throws his keys on the table and the table immediately collapses. Mm-hmm. Completely absurd. Uh, like what the, they almost make it seem as like the most recent thing that happened on this table was this like Angelo DeVecchio incident. But like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know? Yeah. Um, so this is the person that people think is Angela from the East German laundry detergent detergent. Cause they, they, she, they oh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like, when we yeah. meant to talk about that, the people are like, Oh, maybe that future reference out and, and, and sorry, Angela is, is Angela. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, um, yeah, so here's, here's one of those examples. Um, we're just going to do the whole Joey and Chandler, uh, storyline or not the whole, but like a good chunk of it. Cause it's, uh, it's very, okay. um, so yeah, so Joey's like, well, it was your table. So you have to replace it. That's the rule. Um, which is not a very good argument. Um, I don't get really what Chandler's whole big, I mean, the whole thing here of like, oh, this is like such a big deal to like split a table. Like, it's like, I get that they're like kind of, it's winking, but like, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> yes, but also I do think that probably in the pre-Craigslist, pre-IKEA even days, it was harder to get furniture. Like you had to go to like table stores, you know what I mean? Right. Like in our day, when we were in our 20s or you know, from college all the way through 20s, you, you would go on Craigslist to find like cheaper free furniture. Um, and then when you were buying stuff, maybe as you uh, got later in your 20s or whatever, like, again, you'd be going to Ikea, you'd get sort of cheap stuff at, at, at those big stores that didn't exist in Manhattan in 1995. Right. I guess it was like it was it was harder and more expensive to get these things. And so therefore it was a big commitment between you and your roommate. Right. So there, I guess it does just make sense for one person to like just like take ownership of different items that then belong get, to them. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, not really, but like more so than today, obviously. Yeah. Right. I still think it's just like obvious. Right. Just like split it. Like you live together. It's a table. Like, yeah. it's not like, you know, make some like some, you know, you have to get a big thing, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So Angelo Dovecchio was the one who broke it when her uh, breakfast adventure with Joey, potentially. Um, so they do, they do decide to take the plunge. We're going to get the table. We're going to raise them together. We're going to fuck them up and then send them out into the wild. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what people do. And so we see them go to the, yeah. So we get this whole thing about Kip. Kip is kind of like a recruit. We ever meet Kip? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. No, we'll have Adam Goldberg as a roommate, but that's a replacement. for Yeah. That's a different thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so Kip, I feel like, is a recurring mention. Like, I feel like he's a Bob Sacamano type. Like, he'll come up a few times. Yeah, not as frequently as Bob Sacamano, but... Yeah. Right, maybe not. Um, yeah, so he, him and Chandler bought the hibachi, and then he screwed him over and, and mm-hmm. moved out to get married. So I guess that means he took the hibachi with him? And I guess... The, and, 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 and what 
would Chandler want for half of the payment, half of the money to be given to him? Because like a new Hibachi versus a used Hibachi is a very different valuation, obviously. Well, I think what Chandler wanted from him was to not get married after they committed to get a Hibachi together. Yeah, but that's a little unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> well, they made a commitment to each other. Yes. And he broke it for some mm-hmm. lady. We had a deal. Yeah. You stuck my hand out and I shook it. So they go to the table store and they can't decide on tables. And, uh, you know, they're giving each other a hard time. And Joey and Chandler claims that Kip would have liked his choice. What was it like they wanted uh, the ladybug or something? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I assume they were choosing an absurd one on for a comedic effect. But yeah. 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 So we have Ross heading over to Carol's place mm. uh, to bring her Monica's lasagna. Because now Monica's basically Monica's going to spend the rest of the episode trying to give away lasagnas yes. to whoever will take them. So to literally um, anyone. Yeah, and this is such a shame. This is like the big downside of city life because, like, in our lives, right? You just like put it in one of like your, in your <laughs> extra freezer? freezer, like your freezer or your extra freezer in the basement or whatever. Right. Well, but also like, this is the problem of them having no friends outside their exact, you know, the six of them basically, right? right. Like you, you just know, like you, uh, yeah, you would have other friends, people you know in the building, like you know, right? Yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be handing one to Paolo on his way out. That, that's the absurd one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He's that. And that's literally an enemy at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So here too, um, Carol's like, "Oh, it's vegetarian, right?" Because you know Susan's a vegetarian. Yeah. And Ross is like, "Yeah, of course." Um. Which like she's gonna find out very quickly. This isn't like the lobster and the eggs. Yeah. Like she'll know she's biting into meat. Yeah. They didn't have Morningstar back then, or or um Impossible Meat or whatever. Do you know? Do you know the story of when we went to our my friend our friend's Avi's house um, in Florida with the raisin challah? It sounds vaguely familiar, but <laughs> carry on because I don't remember. So we went uh, for Friday night Shabbat dinner. Uh, we were invited over to like, his cousin's friend or his friend's cousin or something, someone else who like you know he, he's a family friend with or whatever, and they served this challah that was like super delicious. Because it had like meat in it. It was like a meat challah. Okay. And we were just like, this is amazing. This is like challah with like corned beef like in the challah. And like the, <laughs> the hosts were like eating and they're like, they we're like, this is amazing. This is a meat challah. They're like, no, it's raisins. <laughs> no, I haven't heard this. <laughs> and we're like, no, it's like, it's meat. Like, this is like, I don't know if it's corned beef or pastrami or brisket, but it's meat. Definitely not raisins. And they're like, no, it's raisins, and they're like, and it's like he call, he calls the wife over, and they're like, she's like, he's like, tell them that it's raisin challah, right? And and she's like, it's raisin challah, and they were like, it's definitely not raisin challah. Like, I know what meat in my in my teeth feels like versus raisins, and then like the husband finally he takes a bite of it and he turns back to his wife and he's like, it's a meat challah. <laughs> Wait, so they didn't make it? They purchased it, obviously. I guess, right. I guess they thought uh, they were buying it. the price of the meat challah have been slightly more than the... I have no idea. I have no idea. But um, neither Susan nor several members of this family were able to tell immediately that they were eating meat as opposed to raisins. So uh, maybe Susan is uh, similarly lacking in skills. Um, So... Yeah, so here we have a little bit of a, you know, back and forth with and kind of mouse with Ross. Will he, won't he find out the sex of the baby, right? Yeah. Uh, did you want to know the sex of your babies? 
Um, yeah, we found them out as soon as we could and promptly thereafter told our parents and then friends in the order in which they rank in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, but yeah, we found out, we told to me, uh, uh, to me, I, I, I never got a special announcement. No. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, yeah. truth is we didn't really like go. It was more like if we saw people, they asked, we said, yeah, it's a girl. Um, but yeah, we didn't call people to tell them it was a girl other than our parents probably or yeah. our sisters. Um, today, if it was this, we would just put in the family chat like no one cares. Yeah. Um, my my, my position on the subject the is the I'm, I'm, I'm fine if you want to find out. I'm fine if you don't want to find out. What I do not like is the people who find out and then tell everybody, we know, but we're not telling anybody. <laughs> that that drives me nuts. I'm like, so when are you going to tell people? When the baby's born? Why is that the delineation day? Why not? Why not wait till their bar mitzvah? Why not wait till their high school graduation? <laughs> like, like I don't. Well, that's understand. very woke like, of you to wait till their bar mitzvah. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't understand this artifact. Like, if, like, I'm gonna find out, or like, if I'm gonna find out, what's the difference? What? I, I just really don't understand that. I mean, I well, to me, it's I. I, and, I and just it, like the information. Your information's available. Like, yeah, why exactly. would you not want to find out? And if you, but if you want to know and you don't want to discuss it because it's uh it's an evil lie or like or whatever the case may be, right. then just yeah, then just I mean, say I to people, say to people, we don't know. Don't say we know, but we're not telling. It's just this immature, silly, like, <laughs> I have a secret and I'm not telling you, but you really want to know and you'll have to come find out when the baby's born. It's just, it, that annoys me. So, yeah, that's my, that's my position on, on the, on the, the, the sex or the gender of the baby. Yeah. Honestly, like, it's, or call it's, them all it's, babies. It's weird say. to me that some people would want to that many times have to say, we know, but we're not, we're not telling. Yes, but but that but I've interacted with those people. And by the way, the the, the gender review people are also idiots. Because like, what is the purpose of this thing? Like, it, it, no matter no matter which way it's gonna be, you're gonna celebrate, right? You're not gonna openly say, "Oh right. shit!" Like you filmed right. this whole thing. And, and so if that's the case, then then what's the point of with the drama and the cake and the and the throwing right. the things? But in my the point is also it's you're you're saying it's like annoying for them, but it's also very annoying for the couple because then like. I mean, again, like if it's like your fifth kid, no one gives a shit. But like if it's like your first or second kid, the like there's gonna be people in your life who are gonna be annoying about the fact that they know that you know and you're not telling them. Yeah. Like especially one, because one of your parents or your in laws or yeah. your sibling or a friend is gonna in, just be in, constantly in the, in the Jewish, you. In the Jewish world, um following the birth of a of a uh baby with uh male sex organs, there's a ceremony on a specific date, whereas a uh, a female a baby with with uh, female sex organs you can have a celebration whenever you want and so when you have out of town parents for example they want to know if it's a boy because they have to sort of plan scheduling of a trip whereas again with, with a girl there's a bit more flexibility and they can you know they that you can figure that out and so we did not find out for our first child and my parents were annoyed and like wanted to find out for that reason right um, but again, um, but we didn't find out and then tell people we know and we're not telling you. We just didn't know ourselves. Right. Yeah. So and I don't we, really know why. In hindsight, like who cares? But you know, we live in a post-gender society, as as uh, Kiva likes to say. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, so you know, when Susan comes in, they're like they're like celebrating. They're so excited. It's what we thought. Um. Yeah. We said Ross can be like, oh, what, what, what did you do? You know. Um. And then, you know, can I, can as I ask he, another question, by the way, what yeah. kind of terror? Uh, actually, before we get to that, Ross thought that one of their friends looked like Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I will say I studied photos of Huey Lewis through the years. There's no stage at which he sort of looked like I thought like like the joke was supposed to be like that. He looks like a woman or a lesbian or whatever. I didn't really understand that why they chose Huey Lewis for that joke there. Um, what I really want to know is what kind of terrible partners 
of Susan are are both, I mean, both her current partner and her past partner, that neither one of them would go to her to the big avenue appointment where she finds out like the, the sex of the baby. I mean, like that's a pretty big appointment. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. You would think they would both go or less, whatever. Maybe they just they like, went to that earlier appointment. Right. They were both available that day, uh, especially when they have sort of this competition between between each other. Like who cares about her more? You think they'd both be motivated to go. It's also kind of a hilarious sort of moment of like the like the pre cell phone, pre Internet, like early 90s, where there was no way for Susan to communicate to either one of them until like everybody comes home at the end of the day. Yeah. Although yeah, that's yeah. not even accurate. Susan could have gone to like she could have used a phone in the hospital or, or a payphone right. or something. Payphone called the off called yeah. Ross's office something. or Yeah. Um yeah. But like, you know, I think people like probably just like didn't expect information that quickly back yeah. then. I mean also like, the you TV just, show. I'll tell you when we, I get home. See everyone in the room together. Of course. Yeah. But meaning like I think that was also true more true to the times. Like you just like didn't expect rapid information for everything, like in real time, the way we just expect that like you're you're just in constant communication with like your spouse throughout the day and like yeah. and, you know, anything that happens with the kids you know about right away. I mean, I remember and this is how old I am, and you're the same age as me. Um, my spouse, when we were dating into like two thousand four or two thousand five when we were in college. Back then, you had a limited number of minutes per month that you could use to talk on your cell phone uh-huh, sure. until nights and weekends. Yeah. And so all day long, I would take notes of, of things, anecdotes, stories, uh, questions to discuss with my wife. And you didn't really text back then, my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time, so that at 9 p.m. when nights and weekends started, I would call her and, you know, here's the six things to, for the, like, the, 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 the outline for our conversation. <laughs> And then you took the the borders of those notes and used them to write. Other yes, things. yes. I mean, because I feel I feel like we'd be on the phone like starting at nine p.m. on the on the dot for like hours. But until right. then, you had to you had to regulate. Yeah, and you were you were like long distance a lot, right? So you guys did a lot of just. On the we were we were only long distance until we got married. We never lived well, except for one year in Detroit, at, uh, Ann Arbor. Excuse me, at the end of which we broke up. So, <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah. my wife and I lived pretty much like three blocks. Three blocks was like the most that we lived apart from each oh, other. That's wild. Oh, yeah. so it's totally different. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we. I mean, we talked on the phone, but like it wasn't. Yeah. It was never like that. Yeah. So you, like, you 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 never went a while without seeing each other. Also, um, you didn't date I mean, it. I'm sure how, we how did. Long, I'm, I'm how sure long did you did. date before you got engaged or married or whatever? Well, from the beginning to the end or with the cumulative uh, times that we were. Know, however you want to divide it. Um, from the time we we started dating in the first time in 2007, I believe. Um, 2008, sorry, 2008. Um, and we got married in 2011. Oh, okay. We so were that's... not uh, consecutively together all of the time, but more than half of that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and but most of the time we both lived on the Upper West Side, like three avenues from each other. So it wasn't like not, not a walk, but it was like, you know, it was like a 10 minute walk. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not, not different states as yeah. you are for much of your dating life. Different continents. Different continents. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's rough. Um, or great, depending on what kind of relationship you're in. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't great. Yeah, no, I'm sure. No, it's not. Uh, it's not conducive. Um, but yeah, so now we're gonna head over to I would say the climactic scene of the episode in more ways than one. Um, and we are at Phoebe's massage parlor. I think this is the first time we see Phoebe at work. Is that right? I think so. Other than her job as a professional musician, of course. Yes. Um, so 
the her assistant or you know the uh, the receptionist comes in and lets her know that her next appointment is here and that he is a real piece of work in a good way and in walks paolo and it's weird because like phoebe's very surprised by this so like right away it's well, very it's- so, so rachel mentions to paolo what phoebe does but didn't recommend that paolo book with rachel with phoebe right because there's no way she would have done that without talking to phoebe first right right or even at all probably but probably but you know maybe if like if anything maybe she'd be like if he has like oh like his you know his upper back hurts like i'm gonna send him to phoebe like i know with like you know if (laughs) phoebe's gonna you know gonna like mess around with my boyfriend like rather than you know saying go to like one of these like random massage parlors and like i don't want to so so, so, so let's get into what so i mean paolo sexually assaults her yes but like is is does he think she's a sex worker does he (laughs) think that she that she's a masseuse who wants to have an affair with like what what exactly is going through his brain um i think he thinks this is what goes on in a massage parlor that if you go for a massage it's assumed that like so so he essentially thinks she's a sex worker i guess yeah no yeah i think i think so yes yeah i mean there's that's the best explanation. That's I mean, it's lo- probably the, the most generous to him. Or is it that he's, do you think that maybe he specifically had like a, a thing for Phoebe and is like all along, all along and he's yeah. like, this is like his way in with her. Um, I honestly, I guess that makes more sense, right? Because then why, like, why go specifically to Phoebe? Like, like, even if you yeah. want to, if you want to go to like a sex worker, like, or he's just don't a do it to the one that is I mean, like friends with your yeah. girlfriend, like go to a different one. Yeah. Or, or he's just a sleazeball in general. Yeah. It's, it's very, it doesn't really, is it, is it a cultural thing? He's Italian. I no. I, he, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, right. There's, there's no real charitable explanation of his yeah. behavior here. Yeah. Um, but, but much like, as, but much it, as we tried to redeem Paolo. Yeah. But, but it's also because it's 1995. Like, uh, again, like he, I mean, this is assault, isn't it? Like the way he grabs her and stuff. Yeah. No, he's, he certainly does not. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, yeah. I don't know the, all the right terminology, but yes, this is completely, you know, obviously it's wrong and he should. You know, he should well, I don't, I don't just mean and, wrong. I'm saying yes, criminal. yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm agreed. Now, being able to prove it and convict it, I mean, that's a separate story, but that's true with, I think, most sexual assault. Yes. No. You shouldn't grab people's butts. Correct. Without it being clear that you you should be grabbing their butts. Yes. Without a verbal consent. <laughs> right. Um. So. Yeah. So for uh, so the truth is, initially we just see the whole like he takes off his clothes part. It's only later that we flash back to it. Um. But yeah. Yeah. So. And that 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 part is normal for massages. Um, well, yes, but even the way he takes off his clothes is like already like not appropriate. Like he doesn't like, he's a bit, like, yes. meaning, usually they you, give you the you privacy. They leave the room, right? You, you don't, get do it, you don't get naked yeah. in front of the woman or the man yeah. or sorry, whatever yeah. I mean, in this case of the woman. Um, yeah. and right. Like they, like you get under the towel or whatever, and then they, you know, they come in and once you're like all ready, yeah. Um, it's not like just like all right, let's get naked. Yeah, Un- unless it is like an actual sex worker, probably. Um, right. So I guess that more explains that this is what he thinks it is. Like he thinks he's coming to a place or, or, where, or, or he just treats all women like that and just assumes like you know I'm I'm such a catch that I'm going to be able to convince her to uh. 
Yeah, or or it was it wasn't a planned thing. Maybe he you know came in for a massage and then you know he was very attracted uh, to Phoebe. I think he had some plans. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, certainly, he um, goes forward with a plan. So yeah, so oh, so we, we, it's kind of back and forth here because first we just have them, you know, they're Ross finding out that even now Monica knows, and then she, she tells Joey. Um, she's just like, I can't help it. Um, I'm going to be an aunt or an uncle. As Joey adds in. <laughs> yeah. And then here's when Phoebe comes running in and tells them everything that happened, um, ending with his giant erection that a whole, uh, a whole family could live under. Yeah. So Phoebe says Boy Scouts could have camped under there, which actually like it implies that like the sheet was tented, right? Which is actually slightly less bad than him actually exposing himself all the way without consent. Oh, because you're meaning it, it, because it was it would right. have you'd be you be able see, to test. My, my assumption from the attack. scene is that he exposed himself to her, but but her line implies that that. Oh was, no, yeah. no, no! He doesn't expose himself to her. She just yeah. realizes that he has an erection from. Well, he makes clear. He makes clear. He that he makes clear. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah no he's underneath the sheet still. Yeah. With voice okay. notes. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, um, but then once he touches her, he's crossed all the red lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. If you listen, you can get an erection while you're getting a massage. That's not yeah. assault. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's involuntary in some, to some extent. Well, uh, certainly that's what George thought. Uh, but now, if it moves, that's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you get an erection without mo- without it moving? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Um, like, all right, yeah, all right. <laughs> We're really delving deeper into this than necessary. I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when Rachel comes, they quickly change the subject to Uma Thurman, another Seinfeld ripoff. Mm-hmm. And when when she leaves again, Ross is like, "You gotta tell her. It's very important that you tell her. It's a feminist issue." Mm-hmm. And the group all agrees. Like you don't want to be on the wrong side of a feminist issue. Yeah, but also people. Phoebe's like, "Rachel's gonna hate me." I mean, hopefully not. But but they all just Ross like, yeah. Like, why is the assumption that Rachel's going to hate her? Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I, I think the whole buildup of the Phoebe being afraid to talk to Rachel about it is kind of silly. Like, she I mean, literally did nothing wrong. So, sometimes. It, things happen, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, right. I mean, the, it's the term shoot the messenger exists for a yes. reason. Yes. <laughs> there's a whole phrase around don't you not yeah. being the, the bearer of bad news as yes, well. Certainly. Yeah. So there's multiple phrases around yes. this concept. Yeah. Um, it's, and especially when you're in the story and that's like now she's yeah, – you, you can definitely yeah. see how like she's going to just oh, associate you. Oh, you seduced him. Or if, for sure, yeah. People are just like associate you in a bad way with the yeah. with the story with the episode yeah uh, again she might have cognitive distance doesn't want to acknowledge her boyfriend did this bad thing right remember she hasn't known phoebe that much longer than she's known paolo true very true she's probably closer with paolo i mean she's certainly closer with paolo than she is with phoebe at this point right she for sure likes paolo and care like is more into interested in paolo than phoebe yeah, I mean, for for the context of the show, obviously it's not like that. We know that you know that Rachel and Phoebe are here to stay in Paolo. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But um, <laughs> right, at no, this yeah, point in Rachel's life in five years, it's a totally different thing. But yeah, no, it's. I think it is consistent at this point for Phoebe. I mean, Phoebe, to... even when she tells Rachel, she has to say like, "You don't know me that well, but let me right. tell you some things." Right. Yeah, and I and I think that's yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're only twelve episodes in. You know, we're yeah. you know maybe six months in. So and like and it's not like Monica, who she knows from growing up and now lives with. Like Phoebe's around. Um, but yeah. By you the way, know. it is wild that it was only last week that Ross had the plan of telling Rachel that Paolo had cheated on him with Nora. Right. And it's, I mean, it turns out he is a cheater. Yeah. 
Yep. So um, honestly, if he maybe he did cheat on her with Nora, uh, if they would, if he would have yeah. gone through with that, and then Quite Rachel possibly. would be like, "I, yeah. I heard you cheat on me with Nora." You don't be know like, how did you find out? We, we have no evidence to prove that Nora and and Paolo did not hook up. Right. In fact, we know that Ross said that they did. So that's yeah. one evidence in favor that they probably did. Yeah. This is the story. Our friend Mo Litsky, um, <laughs> when he yeah. uh, de- when he declared himself. Um, uh, whatever. This story requires too much backstory. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I actually know the story. So yeah, I know it. Down. You know it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. It's very silly yeah, for yeah. all those. We don't have any affirmative well, proof. Not. Yeah, and so if, if let's say that, Leo. Yes. Well, yeah. Let's, let's move, move on. on. We'll all have a chew. <laughs> um, so three things to know about Phoebe. Do you know the three things to know about Phoebe? Yeah. Um. Well. So the cockiness, and I guess it's not cockiness. It's just true. But the cockiness about her, about how good these cookies are, <laughs> is like a little bit of a risk because if Rachel doesn't love your cookies for whatever reason, then she's not going to believe you that you never lie. Yeah. yeah also, okay, sorry, this... The three things are her friends are the most important things to her that she never her, lies. She never lies. And, and she that, makes the oatmeal yeah. raisin cookies, yeah, these, yes. but she doesn't make them a lot because it wouldn't be fair to the other cookies, which yes. to me is like the most Phoebe buffet yeah. sentence. There the is, other, is that so does I she make the other best cookies, cookies that she makes. Cause she makes, no, she means to all the other, other cookies. people's cookies in the world, the cookies in the world. It wouldn't be fair to all the other cookies in the world. Well then, to be but then there's an inherent contradiction between Phoebe's three facts. Because if her friend her friends are more important to her than anyone else, than anything else, including the feelings of other cookies, her friends enjoying well, the cookies. It's not the feelings take... of the cookies, it's the feelings of the people that make the cookies. Yeah, but her friends getting to enjoy her cookies should be her first priority. I get I well, you know, she, so she, she is obviously... a liar. She violated <laughs> she number one. Liar. She the... violated all three of her, yes. co- of her rules. Two of them one... contradict each other, which means that the third one that she never lies is also not true. Yeah, I also think it's unlikely that the person who makes the best oatmeal raisin cookies in the entire world also was making accidentally making Nestle Toolhouse chocolate chip cookies her entire <laughs> life without least, realizing it. Least, <laughs> yeah. So um yeah. so yeah. Um Phoebe the Baker, um mm-hmm. I guess contradictions there as well. Um, but yeah, this is, I think, a very uh, good preface by Phoebe. She like lays it on very well, and she, you know, she gives some Rachel some cookies. She immediately confirms that they're the greatest ever, and Phoebe reveals what happened: that Paolo was hitting. He, he says hit on her, which I, you know, he did far more than hit on her, as we yeah. uh, explains. Um, and Rachel is completely crushed, which leads her to ask for some milk. Question which mark. of course Phoebe has in a thermos. Correct. Yeah, which this is a very bizarre sequence of events. Yes. Why does Rachel want to chuck that? Why does Phoebe have it? <laughs> in a I thermos. Mean, she yeah. walks around all of her life with with a thermos of milk. So maybe because she was bringing freshly baked cookies, but but the oat, it's not even a cookie like a chocolate chip that's known for being eaten with milk. And even so, you don't need to bring your own milk. If presumably, Monica would <laughs> people have milk. Have milk. milk is a thing that people if, have. Yes, if necessary, it's... It's very confusing on a number of levels. <laughs> I'm just like imagining Phoebe just like walking around and like every now and then yeah. she's, she she stops and she has a drink of milk and then she continues on walking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know anyone who drinks milk that way. My friend Danielle um, in college, we used to like uh, work out together and stuff. And afterwards, she would always go to the Wawa, go to the uh, the, the convenience store and buy a thing of milk and chug it. I've never known another person do that. She would chug milk after, like, after exercise, <laughs> like a, like harsh. a whole like a whole gallon, almost not a gallon, a whole no, pint, a whatever the size. I don't know the size. A pint so, is very big too. Certainly not like like a, a bottle like bigger than like a bigger than like a sixteen ounce. But yeah, but, <laughs> wow, but, that's a lot of milk. But holdable in one hand, you know. <laughs> I see. Um, like the the one you'd buy that the one you would buy for like it'd be more than you needed for your breakfast cereal. But like you know what I mean. 
Just I believe I believe we will eventually see Joey attempt to drink a gallon of milk. Yes, a gallon would be too much. But um, yeah. Anyway, a weird thing. It's almost like in the in those Got Milk commercials. That's what they were trying to convince people to do. Like, oh, we drink milk, but like I, nobody actually does that. Except for um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I don't drink milk that way. I mean, yeah. I don't drink milk at this point. I put milk in things, but like, I don't drink milk really. Yeah, who, yeah. When are you ever drinking a glass of milk? Well, in the nineties, it was very big, right? Mil- the milk was huge in the nineties. Well, all the campaigns. Milk ads. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So in that yeah. in this time period, milk was much more popular as like a, as a beverage. Yeah. So ha- when is the last like time you drank a glass of milk by not chocolate milk, plain old, it, it, whether cow or oat or whatever? The, the Honestly, the the only time that I drink milk alone is to like taste it to make sure it's good. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't drink milk as like its own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a. Uh... I mean, I'll sometimes drink the milk with like the cereal, like the at the end, like yeah. but like doesn't that doesn't count? Like on its own yeah. thing, like yeah, I just don't. Yep. But the nineties were a different era. We were uh, heavy into the milk. And it's and I like the taste of milk. Like I would, I just don't. Yeah, milk's fine. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's never gonna be the best drink option. Correct, correct. Yeah, correct. No, I put a lot of milk and coffee. I mean, I have milk and in all my milk coffee. And I coffee, a lot of coffee. Milk and coffee. Yeah, in the same cup. <laughs> um. So yeah, so Rachel's like very angry, and she's also like very embarrassed for herself that she was like going, you know, she was just like going around like talking about like how great he is and what a great, you know, how good everything is. Um, I mean, to, and from the little that we saw, there was no evidence of anything negative about him. Other, and even though Ross hated him, yeah, he had no. given no ammunition. Yeah. 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 No, he seemed like a Until perfectly now. nice guy who was just hot and she was having fun with and have fun. Um, but yeah, obviously he's not a good guy. Um, and you know, you know, Phoebe's like very apologetic, but like Rachel's like, no, you did the right thing. Like, you know, I need it's, the better. I, the sooner I know, the better. I just kind of I missed the time period before well, I. Well, they're both. It's almost like they're apologizing to each other. Yeah. Yeah, and like, why are we apologizing? Because that's what women often do as victims, right? Like, I don't need to mansplain this, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, you know, then they're like, no, this is Paolo's fault. Paolo's the one who yeah. did this to us, not to, you know, we didn't do anything to each other. He's a pig man. He's a pig man. <laughs> Again, as, it's just, like, I, 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 I mean, there's one thing, like, you're going to rip off Seinfeld. You needed four writers for this episode to just yeah. rip off Seinfeld left and right. You just copied another show. You need, I, one person could have done that. Yeah. And, and I do feel a little bit bad for the Georges of the world because Paolo will we'll never see Paolo again. Right. I don't think so. Yeah, and you know, I think this is a series wrap. Yeah, but but George wanted these uh, these Paolos, these pigmen walking around because suddenly <laughs> he's not looking so bad, right? Yeah, we also had a pigman on. I think you should leave. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, George, George. Whatever you think about George Costanza as a man, as a boyfriend, he's certainly not as he's better than than Paolo. So yeah, George is yeah. right. You want these pigmen walking around? It makes him look better by comparison. <laughs> um, and of course, we know with George, it only moves at massages when the masseuse is a man. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're like, right, when you don't have anything else going for you, like the only thing that you could really have going for you is that, like, you're, like, you're a good guy. You're a nice guy. You're not going to, like, uh, you know, you're not going to, I'm not going to assault you. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. I'm not going to cheat on you. Um, you know, we're, what else is George possibly bringing to the table, guys like him? So, like, that's why he needs guys like Paolo so around. So, like, my, 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 right? my take with, um, with Mary Poppins, have I told you this one? No. So, um, Bert, played by Dick Van Dyke, right? Uh-huh. What is the special thing about him? What makes him such a great guy, according to Mary Poppins? I don't remember. You'll that he's mind. not a rapist. <laughs> is that what he says? That she what he says, says in the song, you'd never think of pressing your advantage 
forbearance is the nature of your creed. A lady needn't fear when you are near. Those are the words of the song. She is singing to Bert. It's a jolly holiday with you, Bert. You're such a great guy. And my example of how great you are is that I'm not afraid that you're going to commit sexual assault against me. It is a wild song. It is absolutely bonkers. Well, she doesn't say a sexual assault. I mean, like, it means like I have no one to fear. I, I just I know read you're you take the words of verbatim of what she said. <laughs> she Could said be because you're going to take care of me. So I don't have to fear that I'll. Uh... I mean, you that never she says think. That... She says, you'd never think of pressing your advantage. I'm, I'm telling you the words verbatim. You never think of pressing your advantage. <laughs> I don't know this Forbearance song is the nature of your creed. A lady needn't fear when you are near. Your sweet gentility is crystal clear. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with you, Bert. A jolly, jolly holiday with you. So anyway, she's singing a All song right, about fine. how he's so great because he won't press his advantage. She needn't fear. It's completely bonkers. Okay. But, um, yes, but th- but that's basically the George Costanza argument. Also, I- I'm better than the Pigman Paolo. I will not. Uh, I will not press my advantage, my my physical advantage over you. You needn't fear. Okay. Um. So yes. So that is a serious rap for Paolo. Yes. Bye bye, Paolo. Um. But although he does get the lasagna on the way out. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So... I mean, I do respect uh, Monica not wanting to waste food, of course. Yeah. Because I think most would argue better to throw it, to throw it away than to uh, give it to Paolo. Mm-hmm. So we um, head across the hall where Joey and Chandler are showing Ross and Monica the new table, which, as it turns out, is the foosball table. They've decided they will be eating at the sink. Mm-hmm. And Ross... they do have like a little bit of a bar there. They could have just eaten on. Yeah, yeah, right. They have like yeah. the stools. Yeah, they actually they're yeah. fine. That's true. Um, Ross is like thinks this is great. Monica thinks they're idiots, and they start playing. And Monica's like immediately awesome at it. But like she doesn't she doesn't know anything about it. Like she uses all the wrong words. She doesn't really know what she's doing. She's just yeah, awesome. It, the fact that she says shut down instead of shut out, like we know how much Monica knows about sports and how good right. she is at sports, the football, et cetera. She wouldn't make that confusion. I also reject the premise that anyone, I mean, is that good. Like she can play with one hand against two people. Like <laughs> you can beat people one on two if you're good at foosball without question, but you still need right. two hands. You right? need two hands, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe if you're literally a professional, but. uh. It would be yeah. There's no way that Monica's good enough to play with one hand and beat two people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Phoebe comes in and she's like, you know, it went better than you know, better than I could have thought. And that's when we have you know Paolo being ushered out. Um, he's you know Rachel's throwing his clothes, um, which is a thing that I have never heard of or seen outside of pop culture. Right, like throwing clothes out the window. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've not seen it. Um, I guess I'm sure it's been done, but sure. Yeah, it's... But I, I would guess that um, most people who have much like with the mouse cheese thing, most people who have done it are are doing it because they've been influenced by pop culture. <laughs> sure, sure, do. sure. But like that's almost everything that we do. <laughs> Probably to some extent or another. Yeah. Yeah. So Monica, um, you know, they head over to you know talk to you know see Rachel and Joey and Chandler give Ross a big pop, uh, a big pep talk. They're like, "This is your moment. This is your spot. This is where we usher in the era of Ross." Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he gets enough confidence to go over there. And when he goes onto the balcony to swoop in on Rachel, and by the way, uh, this is completely idiotic um, planning here. You don't <laughs> yes. swoop in. Right at like Correct. someone's Idiotic. just been ch- cheated on. They're not immediately looking to date like that night. 
They're looking exactly. and and by the way, this is what Jerry does with um with the anti-dentite Beth Luckner in Seinfeld. Right. But yeah, in real life, people are not dying to get into another. I mean, I remember that was one of the criticisms of um in Game of Thrones, the 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 story of Tyrion's what what's the name of the 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 former prostitute that is his Shay. lover? Yeah, Shay. One of the criticisms of the story, and people were saying it was very clearly written by a man, is like <laughs> in the story where she's rescued by being raped by a bunch of people, that that night she chooses to sleep with like Tyrion. Like when you've just escaped or, or been raped by multiple people in a night, you're not looking to sleep with somebody, right? It's just like it's not really a, the, 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 the normal reaction there. And obviously, nothing that extreme happened not. to Rachel. But right. uh, yeah, she, yeah, the no, idea listen, that she's looking, for, yeah. while that might be tr- the true, true. And for the most part, there are people who will specifically want to, on the night that they broke up, want to like immediately like jump into something, like, or or even if they don't want to intellectually, like that's what they're gonna do, like yeah. So like, well, you, and you might have a one night stand or whatever, you know, like especially you want to get back at someone who is cheating on you, but like not Ross is looking for like a long term relationship, right? So I don't think Ross is necessarily thinking he's gonna swoop in that much with Rachel at this point, but like I think he there is some benefit in him being the one who's like being there for her on this night that she might then. You know, have goodwill towards that could yeah. be the seeds of what well, he's trying want, to accomplish. Certainly, yeah, as 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 Jerry and Elaine say, you want to be the shoulder on which they're crying. Yeah, but um, but but like what I what we we just said is exactly, of course, what happens that Rachel says she doesn't want to date anybody right now, understandably, and and then like in that next scene when Ross comes inside and starts arguing and pushing it against Rachel in front of all three girls, it's a very awkward scene and very counterproductive. Like like take the L here, like. You know, suitor, like wait, wait, wait for your your next opportunity because you keep pushing here. It seems like you're just going to cause yourself a lot of problems. But um, anyway, I I don't like Ross's uh, uh strategy or performance here in the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah. This oh, is by the way, one one other question: uh, When Paolo leaves and Monica gives him, of course, as you noted, the uh the lasagna, he doesn't even apologize to Phoebe, who's right there. Right. Right, like, like, which, like, she's the one who he grabbed, you know. Anyway. Yeah, no, she probably was very said, shitty. Not, not a good very guy. Shitty. Yeah, he's very yeah. shitty. Um, so yeah, so you know, message received by Ross, and they head back indoors, and well, not Ross is like, he keeps trying, yeah. Well, right, I guess, right, for fair. Um, you know, you have to have a better screening process. You know, don't quit on men. And she's like, she's like, you know, he's like, not all men are Paolo's. And Rachel's like, you know what? You're right. I'm sure your son will not turn out to be a Paolo. <laughs> and Ross is like, wait, I'm having a son. And Rachel's like, no, I don't know. And then it turns out that, of course, he is. Everyone knew. Rachel and Chandler knew. Monica and Phoebe knew. Rachel down knew. Everyone but Ross. Ross was the last to find out. So again, Phoebe lied mm-hmm. when she said that she's always the last one to find out things because the f- last person to find out that Ross is having a boy was Ross. Um, and he's very dazed by the news as our episode ends. Um, yeah, they're really going to the well on the you know end of the episode with Ross uh, father moments. Yeah, in season one so far. Yeah, I didn't remember that so much, but which was funny because once he actually has the child, we will very rarely see that child. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Right? They yeah. they very much go all in on the pregnancy and his going through it, but then like yeah, they don't care at all about Ross as a dad. Yeah. Um, is yeah. So we cut to two thirty in the morning. Joey and Chandler are just. Very sick and tired of getting their ass kicked by Monica. So they throw her out. Um, she, this is where she offers to play them just with their left hand. They're like, no, get out of here. And as soon as the, she's out on the other side of that door, Joey and Chandler start playing each other because they just want to play and have fun, not lose to Monica. Yep. All right. But 
Well, Av, on that note... Oh, yeah, he's my... He's my best friend. Who is your best friend? Um, I'll say my best friend is Monica. Um, she's going to be an aunt, not an uncle. And she's awesome at foosball. And she is giving out awesome lasagnas to all her friends and enemies. So she's kicking ass all episode long. Yeah, you're so close, up. You're almost there. <laughs> you just said it yourself. The lasagnas are awesome. Uh, they are. The best friend is the lasagnas. There you go. They're the ultimate come with lasagnas. They'll come with anyone, even the hated Paolo. Um, <laughs> these are amazing lasagnas. Uh, Aunt Sil missed out. And so, yes, my best friend is the lasagnas. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. A fucking asshole. Probably the easiest one we've had so far. Not a lot of drama here. Paolo cheats on his girlfriend. He assaults Phoebe. Uh, he's the worst. Yeah, I mean, just, this is one where you just don't want to overthink it. Uh, yeah. It's you know, it's pretty clear. You don't have to like be like, oh well, you know, the, maybe the lasagnas are the fucking asshole because you know they were should have. Yeah. No, it's you know, it's the guy who commits yeah. sexual assault as the asshole. Yeah. All right. Why it's dinner for six, five steaks, and an eggplant for BB. So let's talk about our steaks and eggplants here. Lasagna, steaks, eggplants. This is really just in an absolutely enormous meal. Um, I will say um, Ross, unfortunately, is going to have to take another eggplant. Just the way he tries to pounce on the vulnerable Rachel and not giving up when the answer is no. A very awkward performance by Ross. Um, but he can enjoy that eggplant, which uh, eggplant uh, usually features in a lasagna. Yeah, right? true. Um, all right. Um, I will give uh, you're, you're, you're not going to like this, uh, but I'm doing it again. Um, half a steak for Joey, half a steak for Chandler. They go halvesies on the new foosball table. Okay, with their good second. buddy. Give and so second. I think it's only fair if they can share a foosball table, they can share a steak. Right? <laughs> so that's 0. 0.5 could, steaks for Joey. 0. 0.5 steaks traffic, for Chandler. Dodge ball. Yes. Um, so okay, so that's half, what we're doing over there. Half for Joey, half for Chandler. Fine. Yeah. And then um, Rachel, she gets a steak for the, you know, straight out of TV and movies dumping of Paolo's clothes out. I like that, mm -hmm. even though I've never seen it in real life, but I will give her a steak for that. That's my second steak goes to Rachel. Um, Monica, she made 12 lasagnas, and everyone knows the lasagna to steak exchange rate is six to one. And so that means she gets two steaks. 12 lasagnas, you get two steaks. Um, and Phoebe, she gets a steak for you know what she had to endure with Paolo, and she gets another steak for telling Rachel, even though she thought it would risk Rachel getting mad at her, even though she had done nothing wrong. So that's two for Phoebe as well for me. Okay, so you have two for Phoebe, two for Monica, one for Rachel. Yeah. And I half... say it very slowly. But and then ha no, but I think you have you gave out too many. No, that's five. No, you gave out six. You, then you also gave half to Joey and Chandler. Oh, you're right. I gave out six sticks. Damn, too many sticks. <laughs> All right. Um uh fine. So I'll um well, you know what? I was wrong. Exchange rate's twelve to one. Uh, not six to one. Only one stake for Monica. Sorry, Monica. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, yeah, I wanted a little bit of a different direction than you. Um, I say no eggplant for Ross. I say two steaks for Ross. Oh, wow. Ross, um, he finds out that he's having a boy. Steak yeah, for that. I did sort of skip over that. Um, and even if he was a little bit clumsy at the end of the episode and maybe didn't put his best foot forward, Rachel's back on the market. And that's more important than whatever happened on this given night. Um, there's, there's hope. For him, okay. For him, yeah. yeah. You, you know, Rachel's a free agent now. Mm -hmm. So th things are definitely better for Ross right now at the end of this episode than they were at the beginning of this episode in multiple Shh. ways. Yeah, okay, fine. That's true. He's having a father, and the girl he loves is, is no longer dating someone. Okay, fine. 
Yeah. You've you've convinced me. I mean, I'm still yeah. giving him an eggplant, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not I'm not lobbying you. I'm just, just I'm just explaining my choices. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then I'm gonna give two to Monica. Um. I made her the best friend, so the same reason she dominates the episode with the with the uh, with the lasagnas with the foosball. So she gets two of those. Um. I'm gonna give Phoebe a snake for what you know. The same reason that you said. Um. You know, she's just like stands up for herself. Um. She's honest with Rachel. You know, she's mature. She, you know, you know, she's great. Um, she handles it herself as well as she could under the circumstances. Um, and the the counter to Ross, I would say, is Rachel gets the eggplant. Not that she did anything wrong, but she's the one who certainly of our six, you know, ended off at she's the end of the episode. Time. Yeah, she, you know, she everything was great. She was going to the Poconos and now her boyfriend was a cheating asshole and she, you know, she doesn't, you know, and she's also just feeling very like stupid. Like she like, how could she not have seen this? Like, yeah, so you're you know. plants are much more based on the actions. Sometimes, yeah, that's how I found this episode. Rachel, I feel like. Yeah, that's how I went in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, okay. well, one thing I might say to, to to Rachel to you know maybe to learn for future reference is one way to like be more aware of like the type of guy that you're dating might be to speak the same language as him, so that like when he's talking to you, like you know that he's saying nice things and not obnoxious things. <laughs> Because probably a lot of the sweet nothings that he was saying to her was like, I don't like you. I hate you. I sleep with other women. And she was like, oh, you are so sexy. Because he was speaking in a different language. Just a, just a word of advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Is it time for the postman? Yeah. I mean, I guess we just are. We're doing a rap on Paolo. We're going to say worse than Alan. I know. I guess we've done it. We've discussed Paolo. But just. Um, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we even discussed. Fine. It. Okay. Worse. Take it. Cut it out of the episode. Cut it. Sorry. Ruined everything. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we can head to the postman. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! I guess there was some screw-up at the damn post office. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the U.S. post office? No, more like U.S. lost office. (laughs) What are they, Irish? Hashanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew! First off in the postman this week, we have Amir Bednarsh who says this was a funny enough episode, although mostly forgettable beyond the guys getting their foosball table. It's also clear that what the ladies refer to as Paolo making a move is actually Paolo targeting Phoebe and coming into her work specifically to sexually assault her, right? Yeah, I think that's where we landed. Um, we tried out a, different th- a few different theories, but that, that seems like the most plausible. Overall, a grade of 3.1. A few notes. When Rachel proclaims that she is feeling things that I've only read about in Danielle Steele books, she obviously should have said Nora Bing books. Big whiff from the writers. Yeah. Monica yeah. may look old like a, <laughs> old. Monica may look like a foosball master, but it is well known that spinning is 100% illegal. It's amateurish and well beneath someone like Monica, who claims to be an incredible foosball player. Ah, so I see what you're saying. Wait, you're why not, is it illegal? I've never heard of this. Oh no, it's it's definitely illegal. You can't you, you can't spin the thing. You need to turn them with your hands. But, but, but how is it even a big advantage? You're like losing control. You're no longer able to move it. Like, if, oh, because uh, you, know, you just you just get much more. You don't have to like time it. Like you're just you get power. Yeah. It's for sure. It's for sure a, a tactic that it would be it would be used to advantage if it's allowed, which it is not. Uh, all right. Is this a known thing that you're not allowed to spin? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not like a professional football player, but I've played a handful of times, and it was always understood in the games that I've played that you're not allowed to just like. Spinning is referred to as an illegal action in football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously. The, oh wow. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I don't think. I guess I haven't played much foosball. No, I didn't. I, I didn't that. notice Monica doing that because I wasn't paying that much attention. I don't play foosball that often. I don't really like it all that very much. 
Uh, but I did know that spinning is illegal. That's now, true. the single spin is allowed. That's known as the snake shot. Right. That right. is a 360-degree rotation. But to continuously just spin them, yes. Yes. like, uncontrollably is not allowed. Well, it's also well, just well, not fun. Actually, like, there's no skill it's, in it. It's, like, you need to be able to. It's the turning to, uh, of the foosball man 360 degrees without advancing the ball forward. So if you hit the ball. Ah. Uh, Right, but like you can't hit it on like the seventh hakafa. Like it's it's sort yeah it's sort of, well yeah because then you've you've done more than three hundred sixty degrees without advancing the ball before right, that. Fair. Right, got it. Yeah, right, right. Or, or after that. I mean, it, it, it's almost and I say this because I have football on in the background as we're podcasting. One of the most the silliest rules to me about about football is on blocked punts and also blocked field goals, but really blocked punts. If you block, if you touch the ball even with one fingernail, you are allowed to absolutely obliterate the punter. You can destroy him as long as you touch part of the ball. It's okay. But right. if you miss the ball and you even breathe on the punter, it's right. a Right, it's a 15, right. So, right. Yeah. And it's, it's like like it's a little bit absurd because your intent is the same in both. Uh, the, the consequence of the punt, yeah, it's – but, uh, I mean, listen, you got to have lines somewhere, so. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so sorry, I interrupted him here. Yeah, yeah, he said yeah, he was right. Um, the scene towards the end where Rachel is sitting at the kitchen table holding a paper towel is an editing nightmare. The paper towels keep disappearing and reappearing <laughs> based on the camera angle and take. So incredibly distracting. Um, all right, well, it didn't distract me. Yeah. I watched it, I think, three times. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, if I guess if you once you see it, it's it probably uh, it's probably horrible. Um, Okay, we go on to Zachary Louie, who says, Hey, Av and Alex, it may just be because it's the first season of the show, but so far the creators seem horrible at naming their episodes. Several times Av has yep. read out the name of the next episode, only for Alex to respond that he doesn't remember what the episode is about. This week is similar, and that the titular dozen lasagnas have almost nothing to do with any of the main plots. In fact, yep. I'd argue that the lasagnas aren't even the most notable culinary achievement in this episode. Phoebe's cookies seem to be more er, mm, important point. and delicious of the foods of the episode, which yep. is especially notable considering raisins are garbage. <laughs> Certainly not as good as me. Yeah. Um, this is probably the first episode so far that Monica doesn't have to be in one of the main storylines, but I found her foosball prowess and trash talk charming. The bit about roommates acting like a couple is certainly a tired trope, but Chandler and Joey had some good line deliveries. A plot-heavy episode, but still very funny. 3.8 moo points. Hmm. Best friend is Phoebe for being an honest friend. The fucking asshole is Paolo. Rachel Karen Green is more than enough for any man. Oh, and he has sexually assaulted Phoebe, which is certainly asshole behavior. Agreed. Yes. Two stakes to Rachel for breaking off with Paolo, appreciating Phoebe's integrity, and for simply being Rachel. One stake to Ross for his excitement and dedication and preparation for fatherhood. One stake to Monica for dominating on the foosball table. One stake to Joey for breaking his kitchen table by having sex on it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> An eggplant to Ross for waiting less than 30 seconds to try and swoop in on a breakup and having it completely backfire. I continue to look forward to and enjoy the podcast every week. Ooh, Thanks, thank guys. Um, was it was that you saying thank you for the email, or was that was thanks, guys, in the email? Thanks, guys, Zach Louie. Oh, oh well, I say thank you to Zach as well. Yes. So we go on to Elizabeth Berry. Who says, hi, Ivan Alex. I really like this cold open. It's one that always stuck in my head. It's so random. It's memorable. Yeah, I do. Rem I also, I very strongly remembered it. For some reason, I thought it, it was like much later in the series. Um, I don't know why I had that in my head or what that even means. But I was surprised that we got it this early. Because it's, yeah, it is pretty iconic to me. Um, was it really a big deal to know or not know the sex of your baby in 1995? My parents didn't know my sex before I was born. I'm only a few year years older than Ben. Now people have massive parties to tell the world the sex of their baby. 
I'm with Ross. Let's go back to not knowing. But also Ross is still whining about it. Lou points, 3.8. Good episode. Best friend is Phoebe. Asshole is Paolo, but also Aunt Sil for being so rude about the lasagnas. Stakes, one split between Chandler and Joey for buying a cool table. Three for Phoebe for dealing with Paolo and telling Rachel and empowering her to dump Paolo. One for Rachel for dumping Paolo and not taking his excuses. The eggplant goes to Ross for being whiny about the sex of the baby and not nailing down a date with Rachel now that she's single. Um, okay. Kyle King writes in and he says, here are my questions. Ross reads all these baby books. Why did he only pick up on the mapping system of the uterus? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, you should know it all. Rachel name drops Daniel Steele, but wouldn't it have been much more canonical sense yep. to bring up Mrs. Bing? Would yep. you guys get a table from a table place? I'm pretty sure they sure they just go to Walmart. That's <laughs> true. Well, there's no Walmarts uh, in Manhattan, though. Uh, or whatever you'd find something, you know. You, well, or again, I think in 1994, like in Manhattan, you you had to go to these tiny little specialty stores. So then they should have taken the train out to Queens or something. And then how are you schlepping it back? On the train, I don't know. The same way you're probably taking it back from yeah. somewhere else, somewhere else in the city. No. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I, I didn't live in Manhattan in 1994, 95, but well, I guess maybe they do. Maybe they deliver within the city or something. I don't know. I guess it's possible. Um. The foosball table is iconic, and that's going to bump up this deep, pretty decent episode. Line of the episode is Joey with the or an uncle. 3.2 moves. Beat Rose says, I watched a couple days ago, and these were my notes. We're supposed to believe that Rachel's romantic author of choice is Danielle Steele, despite what she said last <laughs> I'm week. I'm glad everyone's realizing Yeah, this. everyone's all over this. Uh, Seinfeld references, vegetable lasagna, and Pigman, asshole me for not forgetting, for forgetting to write down better notes. Um... Yeah, much, you know, obviously your notes for your wife's phone calls were much better because uh, they seem yeah. to have worked. <laughs> um, Zach Brooks says this is the worst titled episode so far. You may have discussed this, but did you both of you find out the sex of your time? Yep, we got that. Out. We got that in too much sappy music, sappy editing and stealing the scandalous massage storyline from Seinfeld. 2.0 moves. Steak for I don't know, Rachel, I guess, for dumping Paolo. Eggplant for Monica for spinning a foosball. And for spitting a foosball and trying to serve meat lasagna to a vegetarian, but I guess that's more Ross. Um, right. Monica did it accidentally. Ross did it on purpose. Um, okay. And we end off with Olin Allen, who says, your Catholic friend is right. Ross is such an unlikable asshole. He even getting me to like Rachel for now. You go, girl. Resenting men with Ross presents it to you. <laughs> Definitely be more memorable as the one with the foosball table than the dozen lasagnas. Decent fun episode, but no major heights. The rating is 2.9. Steaks, one to everybody. A very likable episode for everyone, except one. Eggplant, inevitably for us. Best friend is Paolo, ensuring Rachel doesn't get ahead of herself with her fling and showing great taste in the new lady he pursues. The fucking asshole is Ross, more interested in his little crush than his own child, although letting Monica carry him on the foosball table did seem more of a distraction. And he gives it... Uh, oh, I already said he gave it 2.9 blue points. I already said that earlier. Um, okay, we did actually get one additional email for the postman this week. Huh. Um, a post-Olin postman? Yes. We do not end off this week, as always, with Olin Allen. We end off this week with an email from Erin Einstein Dell. Mm. And if you recognize that middle name, it's not a middle name, it's a maiden name. Erin writes in, 
that she just listened to our episode on the Bob Einstein podcast, and she is she's Bob a little behind Einstein's... in her uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good listening. But that's she okay. is, yes, and uh, she is Bob Einstein's daughter. And she wrote in to tell us that she enjoyed her episode, uh, but she did want to give us two little bits of information, uh, maybe corrections to the record. She wanted to let us know that Jerry gave him the car. I guess that's the car from so Comedians in Cars. So what? What? Yeah. So in the episode of Comedians in Cars, Jerry tells Super Dave, uh, tells Bob, Super Dave, whatever you want to call him, that um, he will give him the car if, and then, and then he doesn't get it, and so, and so then Bob's like, "Oh, so I'm not getting the car." And Jerry's like, "Yeah, what are you need? I'm going to give you my car." And and we discussed on our podcast, like, why did they even do the silly joke? Like, he's obviously not going to give him the car. So why did they even bring it up? It's sort of stupid. It turns out Jerry did give him the car. So Jerry Jerry's a more generous and nicer guy than uh, than he allowed the edit to imply. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I mean, who has the car now? Maybe Aaron. So I'm, actually, both, I think both of these are really just like correcting your lies for the most part. Um, My lies. I think, why, it's not my lie. It's Jerry's lie in the episode. <laughs> no, but you were saying she's saying that she did give him the car. He did give her him the car. Yes, but in the episode, Jerry says he didn't give him the car and wouldn't give him the car. Oh, uh, sorry. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. okay. I misunderstood. What you said. Jerry's lies. Fine, fine. Right um, wow. All right. That. Okay. Then the second one was I think you you had said on the episode that he at eulogies he would always like be in like you know doing jokes or whatever, and then like sometimes he would just like start doing material in the middle of the funeral. So she wrote in to say no, he would like he would eulogize friends, but like and he would and he would eulogize them in a very funny jocular manner, but that it was always focused on the person and their memory, and he would not do unrelated material. And she puts out a quote, which I'm assuming is a quote of you. Because I don't know, I don't know anything about this. So you, it must have been you who told this story. No, th- yeah. So on Wikipedia, so basically that he was, um, he was so turned off at his father. Fo- I, I actually called him the fucking asshole on the podcast. I called, I called <laughs> oh, excellent. I called fourteen-year-old um, Bob Einstein the fucking asshole because at fourteen, at his father's funeral, his father. Basically, what happened is, is as I noted earlier, and I'm just repeating a podcast that we said a couple years ago. For those who forgot. <laughs> His father dies of a heart attack on the dais during a roast right after giving his performance. And and he was a famous comedian. And so his funeral was all famous comedians and all the comedians got up there one after another. And instead of eulogizing, um, you know, their friend, they basically did their their own. <laughs> they, did, they did a bit, yeah. And fourteen-year-old Bob Einstein was disgusted and turned off. His father's just died; he's traumatized, and all his idiot friends are just making jokes. <laughs> right. And so he like swore off comedy forever at that point. And he and then obviously he came back to it very quickly. And and of course the irony is, of course, I said that he would be the kind of guy who would definitely do that at a funeral. Would um would would would, would do would you know would be very funny. And so yeah, she chimed in to say, well, actually, yes, at funerals, uh, Bob Einstein uh, was funny, but uh, also you know thought about his friends. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she wasn't correcting you specifically. She was just uh Well, correcting so yeah, sort of uh, my uh, your, extrapolation your theory, of, of his right. personality based on and the Wikipedia description of his anger at uh anyhow. Right. Yes. Well, but but thank you so much, Aaron. We're glad you listened and uh your dad gave us uh, much 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 pleasure yes, and enjoyment. We, uh yes, we we loved watching your dad. Yeah. Um and she, probably very... less likely she's listened to this episode, and if she is, not for a couple of years since so she's way behind. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing she probably just came across it because she was like searching for her, yes. her, her dad's name or something. Yeah. Um, now, now she's gonna have to become a pretty, pretty good slash. Maybe. Well, first she has to first she has to go back to season yeah. one episode. Yeah, one so again, it'll be a while. But she'll at least she should listen to the episodes that Bob Einstein is in. I would think. Of Curb, yes, but yeah. So yeah. Friends is a little bit further down the line, probably. 
yeah, I don't think yeah. she'll get to friends that soon. Yes. All right, well, Av, it's time for you and I to share our own moot points. That's right. This is all a moot point. Huh. A moo point? Yeah. It's moo. Yes, I will say that um, it's a solid episode. As you noted, we move a step forward in Rachel and Ross, seemingly. Uh, although then we take another step back, it looks like, perhaps. It's uh, right in the meaty part of the curve. It's uh, moo. Ooh, that's three moves. <laughs> three moves. That's exactly three moves. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit lower than you wanted. I think this episode is just like kind of like met across the board at best. Um, I don't think there's like anything really – any of the main – any of the storylines here are anything that to write home about. Um, I guess like we got the foosball table, so like fine. That's going to like be iconic um, yeah, this, and be around this, for a while. The cementing of the, of the Joey Chandler relationship is probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even then, we're just like you know, planting the seeds. Like we're not even really getting them, like you know, growing it out on the Barca loungers just yet. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna say this is uh, two point four moves. Um, which um, yeah, so you know, the audience was a little bit higher than both of us actually. Um, they averaged out to a three point thirteen, um, which is the sixth ranked episode for the for the fans. So like, really, right in the meaty part of the curve, right in the middle. Um, you were a little bit lower. You said the three. Um, it's your seventh overall, my 2.4, which has it meet for me, the third to bottom episode so far. Uh, we averaged out all together to a 2.84. It is our 10th episode, um, out of 12. So I'm, uh, I'm probably dragging us down, but I don't think anyone was, uh, especially high on this. I think, uh, 3.8 or 4.0 maybe was the highest anyone. 3.8 was the highest anyone had. So, mm-hmm. all right. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. Well, next week, we will have the one with the boobies. Which we sure will. Yeah, boobies, uh, in some places where the episode's listed, they have asterisks for the O's. Yeah. They don't even want to acknowledge the boobies. Yes, and I really don't. Do you remember, based on the title alone, what's, what that one's about? I do remember what it's about, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, I assume that uh, that breasts will be involved, but I, I, I would think so. Yes, in what context? Uh, I really don't know. Unless it's like Booby Gibson, maybe the the former Cleveland Cavaliers guard. Probably not. He was probably a child at this time. Well, if you don't remember, I do have something here that may refresh your recollection. Thursday, new episodes of your favorite comedy. How can you go wrong? Starting with an all-new Mad About You. You got a great smile. When Jamie's flirting gets her picked up. Hello. And on an all-new friend, Chandler gets a sneak peek. Since you saw her, you're going to have to show her your... Then it's an all-new Seinfeld escapade (laughs) involving Super Bowl tickets. Oh. And a guy who looks just like George. (laughs) Then it's a bonus Mad About You. (laughs) All-new laughs, plus another Mad About You. NBC Thursday. So that's Mad About You, Friends, Seinfeld, more Mad About You. Two Mad About Yous. <laughs> right. Um, it's funny. It's I a lot of Mad About You. Yeah, it, it's so funny to see sort of a Seinfeld episode, which is like iconic to me, which is every Seinfeld episode at this point, right. sort of described in that way. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. not, that not knowing yet that like Risk was going to be like the main yeah. thing from that episode. And, um, yeah. And, and the Chandler uh, Rachel thing with the accidental booby site. Um, you know, I'm, I have a, I have personal anecdotes that are similar to that. Perhaps <laughs> as well. Perhaps oh, I've heard them on podcast before. So. Um, all right. I look um, forward to hearing those. All right. So we'll uh, come back next week and we will uh, share uh, booby anecdotes. Excellent. <laughs>
like 